Welcome to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. I'm your host, Certified Religious Transition and Trauma Recovery Coach, Terry Hales. I help people step out of the shadows of religious fear and shame and embrace their authentic selves with love and empathy. If you're ready to throw off the shackles of learned binary thinking and explore a more nuanced approach to life, this is your playground. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. I'm like super giddy and excited because I have Lena Osborne on this episode. She is one of the co-stars of the Hulu documentary Mormon No More, which you can also watch on Disney Plus now. And she's been in talks for season two for those of you who loved it like I did. And she is a Kundalini Reiki master she is a healer um and she you can find her on sallyandlena.com welcome lena i'm so excited thank you so much for having me terry oh i can't wait i was telling her whenever i listen to her content or i read her content there's this energy of just this like flowing earth goddess that like comes out and it's so different from my own energy. And so I'm so excited to just like bask in her energy and like bring her energy to all of you. So I'm going to go ahead and let her tell you a little bit about her story, how she got into this healing space with Reiki and in this kind of post-religious space. And then we're going to kind of dive into a conversation about like femininity and reclaiming our power and reclaiming our identities and just allowing ourselves to be human. So I'm excited about this. Take it away, Lena. Thank you. It's interesting because as a convert to the church, I always feel like I somehow have a leg up. You know, my formative years, zero to 18, were spent in a home where I wasn't being indoctrinated every Sunday and throughout the week. But I did grow up in Catholicism and obviously cultural conditioning. So I never imagined in a million years that I was gay. It was like, I'm so straight passing. You look at me and no one would ever guess. I wouldn't have even guessed. Yeah. I almost had this feeling uh, as a kid, like anytime feelings of sexuality came up, whether it was like, do I have a crush on this person or why am I feeling this way toward this person? It was constantly just being shoved down, like doubt central. And um, because I was told that that wasn't even a thing, it's like not, not a thing. And so I think from that point on, I think I was like 12 when I decided I was like asexual. You know, I didn't know what that word meant, but I just knew that it didn't exist in me Mm -hmm. and I wasn't like all the other girls. And I was, uh, you know, I didn't have that giddiness or I wasn't boy crazy. You know, there's so many kids from that age on, especially in cheer. I was in the cheer world for so long. It was like, that was, that was the norm. And so heading off to BYU, uh, my best friend died in a car accident in high school and it was super tragic. And it kind of led me down this path toward Mormonism because wow, they have done it right, y'all. If you're going to create a religion and you're going to come up with some, you know, uh, gospel doctrine on the plan of salvation, like they definitely have the A plus B equals C. They got all the answers, mm-hmm. and so they have uh, they have this belief. You know, Mormons have this belief that like when you die, it's like, there you are, you're with all your people. And if they're not there, like you can do baptisms for the dead. Like you can, we can make this happen. We can be with all our people, even those who weren't, you know, Mormon in this life. And so as a convert, I was like, hell yeah, like, this is what I'm going to do. This is going to be awesome. And believe it or not, in my patriarchal blessing is that I was from the tribe of Levi, which is so bizarre because no one ever hears that. And so I, I did some research at BYU and that meant that I was a temple worker. Like I, it was my job to like be at the temple. And so I gave my life to that and devoted my time and energy to being in this really peaceful, serene, calm space. And I believe that there were things inside of me from my formative years that just knew that peace is where I found my spirituality mm-hmm. in whatever form that looks like for people. It just so happened to be that the Mormons got to me and at a really vulnerable time. And it was easy for me to see that, like, I was drawn to peace. Mm-hmm. Being someone who comes from Catholicism or even, you know, I visited multiple other Christian denominations before deciding to become Mormon. 
I noticed that the Mormon church had that piece. There was definitely something different about it. And I think what it is, is in air quotes, reverence. Like there's mm-hmm. no clapping after the music. There's no, you know, loud music in the temple. Like there's just all these moments in time where they provide that serenity, that moment where you can go inward and you can feel that peace. Now, the message that goes along with that, that makes it theirs is that that peace is a sign that what they're teaching is real. When in fact, it's just a sign that you are a soul having a human experience. Mm-hmm. And I think the profound understanding of that from such a young age that I was a soul having a human experience gave me the connection I needed to that piece. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Like, like I grounded myself in this in this stillness, in this desire for uh, my inner knowing and to hear that voice. And again, they they took the name of that and called it the Holy Ghost or whatever, but it was still mm-hmm. mine. And as I, you know, learned more about myself as an adult and having kids and, you know, marrying the temple and all those things, my third child, he was two or three. He came home from primary one Sunday and just said, Hey mom. And he said it like in front of all of us, all six of us, he said, can I marry a boy in the temple? Mm. And I was like, whoa. Like my whole body from top to bottom knew that it wasn't just him thinking these things based on a show he'd seen or influenced by some friend in his primary class. Like, no, I knew it. I felt it intuitively. His feminine energy is just so beautiful and so calming. And to this day, he's almost 10. It's like my body wants to be around him. You know, he is a grounded human and he knows who he is and he has always known. Mm -hmm. And I knew in that moment that my life would change forever. And so it was a slow deconstruction over the next few years, but I found myself very quickly finding spirituality outside the Mormon church in meditation, prayer, but most importantly, just getting out and moving my body in the world, seeing it in a different way. And recognizing the goodness and humanity in everyone and knowing that I didn't have anything more special than anyone else. There was no, there was no, you know, ticket to ride. Like I wasn't like holding the Holy Wonka calling ticket. Like, you know, I was just, I was just one of, of this beautifully braided together, you know, friendship bracelet. My friend Emily used to always say that, like, we're just this braided together, beautiful blend of humans trying to do good in the world. And I saw that and it was just this, this place that pulled me in this yoga studio. It brought me back to my roots. It brought me back to that feeling of peace and serenity that I remembered before I was a member of the church. And one of the reasons I joined that peace, you know, and, and yoga brings me that Reiki brings me that being, being in friendships with people that feel authentic connection with their soul and not Mm -hmm. just like superficial conversations, but like, how are you really doing? And like, what makes your soul feel on fire? And how do you know you're living your purpose, you know? And as I'm like deconstructing and moving through, you know, different yoga trainings and like wanting to be more of myself and feeling more of my authenticity, I like randomly run into this girl, like, Picture her in a pink velour tracksuit, bleach blonde shaved head, propped up on a bike, like sex appeal exuding from every cell of her body. And I just, I was shook. Like I did not, like I stopped dead in my tracks and I just couldn't breathe. She took the air right out of my chest. And for the first time I felt my sexuality again as like an adult and I saw her and she brought up all these feelings in me that I think I was, uh, finally allowing myself to feel just a Mm -hmm. little bit like a, like a whisper, a little taste, not like, Oh my God, I'm gay. No, it was like, wow. If I could be so lucky, you know, just these feelings inside of me, I can't even describe. And I was picking my kids up from school. She was picking up her daughter from school and that was it. Like I saw her and I left. And then my friend Crystal just kept saying to me, you've got to meet my friend, Sally. I think you guys would vibe. She's such a cool friend, not because Sally was gay and not, it was just like, she's such a great friend. And I think you would love her. 
And of course, lo and behold, I meet her finally. And I'm like, oh my God, it's the girl from the gate at the school. And, you know, fast forward four years later, like we're married, we're raising our seven kids together. It's, it's everything that I have ever wanted for my life and so much more and so much more that I could have never imagined even, you know, being able to like fully live in alignment. This in no way am I trying to put out there has been easy, obviously, like along with living your truth comes, you know, all the, all the pain and all the suffering and all the like lives that have had to been changed and, and shifts in our family dynamic and reconfiguring with my ex and, you know, all of that. Luckily he's like, you know, he's the best and he gets it and he's so happy for me and he loves Sally and he's so happy that I have this, you know, this, this truth I can live. And I'm, he sees in me, my, uh, my freedom, my sovereignty. Mm. And it has been so healing for him to know that it wasn't him. It wasn't us. It was like, I was gay. It was incongruent. It just didn't fit. And yeah, you know, I think it's just been really great for all of us in a lot of ways. And, and we're all still processing and healing is not linear and, you know, we're figuring it out, but that was a really long way of saying how I got no, to That was amazing because I think so many people who are listening to this, like all of us have gone through a religious transition of one kind or another listening to this podcast. And I think we can all relate with that feeling of like grief, even though like what we've moved, like what we're doing now brings us so much joy. There's also that grief for what used to be and who we used to be and where we used to be and what we thought. And, you know, steps that we took or or didn't take because of what we were told we could and couldn't do. And, and like, I just think I love how honest you were about, you know, this is how I arrived at this place. And it has been beautiful and wonderful to connect with this person that I feel so lucky to be with. And that, you know, like I saw and was just like, oh, like if I could be so lucky, but then at the same time, there's a cost as we move forward, being authentic in any kind of way comes with a cost because we're we're not people pleasing anymore, which many of us were raised to do. We're not trying to make everybody like us. We're just trying to make ourselves feel good about who we are each day. Like we're just like, this is who I am. This is how I want to be in the world. And there will be some people who don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. That's an understatement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the aftermath of the show, but even just like since I've left the church and my friends, so many friends I've lost and relationships that I thought were like lifelong, you know, Mm -hmm. not just like ward members that I moved there and, you know, lived there a couple of years and was like, Oh, you're my visiting teaching companion. Oh, I love you. We're going to be friends forever. No, I'm talking like people that we like traveled the world with and like had babies next to each other. And, you know, just like the neighborhood, like, energy of love and showing up for one another. It's like so many of that. So many of those relationships are gone. I have a very small handful. I think like three left, three Mormon friends left in my life. And I cherish them because I know that each and every one of them had to go through their own process on their own to show up big for me through my transition and never once showed me that side of themselves. They just showed up, loved me as I was, and proved to me that our friendship went way deeper than our connection in the church. Yeah. There's something that you and Lena, I'm sorry, you and Sally, sorry, I'm actually talking to Sally, but you and Sally often say like about being an ally and that's that you're willing to go through your own process and you're willing to go through the pain that Mm -hmm. the person that you love and care for is going through as well, that you don't Mm -hmm. keep yourself separate from that and outside of that and just kind of watch them go through it, that Mm -hmm. you're willing to go through the transformation yourself and that that's what allyship actually means. And I think that's allyship for LGBTQ people, allyship for BIPOC people, allyship if you are, you know, friends with someone going through a religious transition or, you know, that we're willing to like get vulnerable with them to step mm-hmm. in the pain and to step into the grief to be uncomfortable. Yeah. That's the biggest thing is like 
allowing yourself to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Challenge the beliefs and, and the ways of thinking that you've had your entire life, you know, and being okay with that. It's like, you are like a human before you're a Mormon. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of people forget that. Yeah, they do. It's, it's that, that savior mentality of, I have, I have to be strong and I have to show you what you're missing so that you come back and that I save you. Chills. So yeah. many chills. That whole savior on Mount Zion thing. Like it gets yeah. us every time. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's deep. Yeah. <sighs> well, as we are talking about kind of stepping into this space of being willing to get curious with ourselves, being willing to confront hard truths and to do the work. We've been talking a lot about patriarchy mm-hmm. and the messages we get as women and people who were raised as women, um, whether they identify as women now or not, a lot of the that messaging comes with us even as we transition. Mm-hmm. Um, or if we step into identifying as a woman, um, there's just these expectations of what is okay and what is not okay to express and to be and to enjoy or to say or to feel as a woman. And I kind of wanted to have a conversation today about how do we begin to sort of slough off some of those societal expectations that how do we step out of the box that I feel like society and especially in high demand religion, we're given this, this box of what it means to be a woman. How do we step Mm -hmm. out of that and allow ourselves to be just human. Mm -hmm. If we identify as a woman being human, whatever Mm -hmm. that looks like, whatever mix of masculinity and femininity that looks like. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That's beautiful. I love this question. So for me, it's so interesting because I grew up with a single mom and it was just my sister and I, so three women in the house. And I watched my mom hustle hard. Mm-hmm. Hustle culture got her good and it still, still has her, you know, it's like work is how she receives her, uh, validation and confidence. Mm-hmm. And I think that there can be a balance, you know, you can have work, you can enjoy your creative side. You can be this beautiful individual and you can also like love on your kids mm-hmm. and give to them freely you know, there doesn't have to be this divide. I feel so much online, a divide between like moms who are like there, they homeschool, they're crunchy. They give time, talents, energy, all the things to their kids, right? It's a hundred percent kid, kid, kid. And I honor that for you. And I also honor the woman who wants to hustle and work, but in the middle of that, in the middle of that, is where we are intended to live. That is where, that is where the patriarchy no longer has a grasp on us because the patriarchy tells us one of two things. It tells us we either do that. We become the, the full fledged hundred percent, every cell of my body. I am there. I'm the mom, 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 mom. Mm-hmm. And fighting the patriarchy on the other side of that is, I don't know if you curse on this podcast. I'll just, Oh yeah, go word. for it. Yeah. I was going to say, All you know, allowed. fuck that. Right. It's like, yeah. it's like, I, I, uh, I'm going to show the world that I can be everything outside of my home. Mm-hmm. But if you, f- if you actually fight the patriarchy, if you actually are trying to take it down, right. It's owning who you are in your entirety, which is you are both of those things. There is duality in the body that is so beautiful and so untapped. Yeah. When we have that harmony and that balance between our feminine and our masculine, and this has nothing to do with gender. This is just an energy. It's energetic. It lives within each and every one of us. That masculine energy is what gets us to move it, take action. Our feminine energy is what gets us to feel and to love and to be creative. And so if you can imagine yourself as that yin and yang and show up in a space where you're feeling uh, aligned with those places, that's where magic happens. That's mm-hmm. where real life happens. You either, you know, hustle culture, you give it all over to the man, right? It's like, you're building this business, but it's an institution and it has a grasp on you and you're like tied down to it. And you don't have that freedom to go be yourself and be creative. 
it's going to suck you dry. It's going to cause all kinds of health problems over the years. You have so much cortisol running in your body. All of a sudden your body's in like fat storing mode. You're starting to get migraines. You get, you know, autoimmune issues. You're not sleeping well. Like I remember when I was a nutritionist, I spent a lot of time working with people on balancing their hormones. It's like, that's where it's at. It's hustle culture, but there's also hustle culture at home. It's like giving of yourself constantly to your kids and not taking time to like actually carve out space for you to, to see yourself, to feel yourself, to be grounded in your own energy, in your own body, to know, and to be able to hear that inner knowing and that voice that says, okay, it's time to rest. Like, I'm sorry, (laughs) you know, like rest is a, is a gift you're giving to yourself and it's a right. It's part of your birthright to rest. And anything that tells us otherwise is once again, I think like succumbing to the patriarchy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I absolutely do. Cause I think that that is like one of the biggest things that I've run, run up against. And as I've talked to other women, it's something that they run up against is this idea that it's not okay to rest, that it's not okay to just be still to not be doing anything productive because yeah. I've been on both sides of that. Like I did the homeschool granola crunchy. Mm-hmm. Oh, thing. me too. Me too. Yeah. I and I've done the other this. one too. And I did. Yeah. I've done the yeah. other one too. As recently as this year, like there yeah. have been times I'm like, okay, this is, this isn't working. Like I've got to figure out something different because the way I've structured this doesn't feel like it's, working with who I am. And it again, it's that whole idea of like, I'm supposed to be constantly working and producing and giving myself to other people, but there's, Mm -hmm. there's no space for me. So it sounds like on both sides of the spectrum, that's, what's missing is this piece of, I get, I get care too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I don't know. There's just so much that we're told when we enter into the space of being a mom. You know, it's like, how many books are there that are contradicting each other? You know, how many like messages are we given and fed that tell us to do it one way and tell us to do it another way? It's like, Mm -hmm. but, but there, the power comes and this is like my platform really is when you vibrate at the frequency of your own power, when you vibrate at what gives you joy, when you do Mm -hmm. it your way. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're leaving a high demand religion, it's like so confusing to do that. You know, there's to, to go against the grain to like stop people pleasing. Mm-hmm. What? Like that, that just, uh, it, how, you know, it's in the beginning, it's like, I didn't even know how to stop doing that. Yeah. I did not know how to stop doing that. And when I started, when I held boundaries for myself and I said, no, and it was still when I was a member of the church, actually, the last few years, um, I like said no to callings and I uh, allowed myself to be late to things or not go to meetings. Those feelings brought up a lot for me. It was like this fighting this demon inside of me. And it was, it felt like cellular. It felt generational. It felt like it was coming mm-hmm. from all these different places and spaces and time. And I was being called to like cut that cord and to show my daughters and my children and to have this like wound not be passed down to them, to show them that it's okay to be yourself and to live at your own pace in your own way. And a lot of times with my clients, when I'm working with them, I can feel feelings coming up of disempowerment Mm. and reflecting back to them, their goodness in a a few different ways, which I'll I'll do with you. I've been feeling some feelings coming up for you since I went to bed last night. So I'm like, can't wait to talk to Terry. I'm so Um, excited. This will be good. (laughs) But, but so like, it's all really about coming back to the divine that is in you. Mm -hmm. And I know that word can be triggering for some people, but just recognizing that you are a spiritual being outside of religion And I'm not claiming to know more than anyone else. I'm just speaking from my own experience. So there's nothing to subscribe to here. This is just Lena speaking from my heart and my heart and experience tells me that that marrying of your masculine and feminine energy is healing years and years and years, if not centuries 
of divine feminine energy in your bloodline. It's being able to show up as a whole being. And whether we go through seasons where we're working really hard or we rest for a while, it doesn't matter. What matters is that you're doing it your way. And some of the things that come up most often with my clients are in, especially as I go through their Reiki chakras and I'm healing their energy centers, I feel feelings of codependency come up when you need validation, when you're seeking validation from people and you need to feel love from other people, that's a feeling of lack. Mm -hmm. And that lack shows me that you're not tapped in yet to that divine feminine that exists inside of you. Because the divine feminine energy that exists in you teaches us that we are whole as we are Mm. and that we don't need to please anyone, that there is no pleasing to be had, that that's their own life journey. That's their own experience and how they see me or how they view me is based on their own wounds, Mm. right? It has nothing to do with me. And I run up against this every day on social media or in my job. Like I am seen by others in a way that is not true to who I am. But the moment that I recognize, which now it's like very natural, but in the beginning, I've been sharing online since 2015 and building my business online. So I feel like I've been around a minute and I used to take it hard. Yeah. I used to take it real hard and say like, oh, I need to shift things. Like this isn't working for people, but I'm sorry. Who gives a fuck what anybody thinks of me? Like, this is my voice. This is my power. And if I'm not digestible for you, like move on. Yeah. Go (laughs) find someone who is. Yes. And, and it's, I, I, I was telling Sally the other day, like this never matters, but it is really interesting for me to watch is, um, we were talking with a friend who's, who's also in this world. And she was saying, when I share certain things, like the numbers drop, you know, And for me, it has been that way ever since I came out. Anytime I share a picture or something about my lovely wife or my girlfriend or my partner, you know, before we were even married, it was like hundreds and hundreds of people just, just flying away, just like peacing out. And, and I, I used to, in the beginning, feel really bad about that. Like it was 5,000 within the first couple of weeks of me coming out on Instagram, just to give you like an idea of what that looked like, but it still happens all the time. And it's, it's just a reflection of where other people are at. And I do not take offense. I literally am like, peace be with you. You know, like we all have our own journey and it's okay. And I don't expect to be palatable for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's it's not an expectation to everyone. We we're not being true to ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's so important to not seek that validation. So another thing that keeps coming up with my clients is when they give away too much of their own energy. Yep. So when you are disempowered, when you're not tapping into that divine feminine, the feeling of needing to be there for people and showing up for everyone else and caring more about what other people think than what you think of yourself or how you value your own time. When you say yes, and you're saying yes more often than you were saying no, that is a sign that you're giving away too much of your own energy. You know, like when you, when you know the value of your energy, you're not just going to give it away. It's something that we need to all like really sit back and understand and really like conceptualize is the way that we spend our time. It is so brief, Terry. Like mm-hmm. I feel that deep in my soul since my best friend died. When I was a kid, I have felt deep in my body, the brevity of life. Mm-hmm. And it has allowed me at certain times to be free and live, you know, in abundance. And other times that same belief of brevity has made me feel anxious and not get, be able to get out of bed because I'm terrified that, you know, tomorrow I'm going to not see my kids again or whatever. Like all the limiting beliefs that pop into your head when you have anxiety or you're worried about things, it's normal. It's okay. But being able to see myself in all those different stages and seasons of life and recognize that like I'm still an evolving human and I can apologize to myself and to people I've hurt in my past for not understanding, for saying something away that was offensive, like apologizing is so liberating. Oh my God. 
it's like the best thing ever yeah. because it's showing, it's showing other people, but it's also showing yourself that it like, it's okay to not be perfect, yeah. you know? Well, and it's so interesting because as I've talked to people who have deep wounds from people, you know, like parents or whatever, the thing that keeps coming up is I, I don't want perfect parents. I just want parents who are accountable and empathic. Oh, That's it. Yes. I just yes. want parents who will hear me and validate me and apologize for their part. Like that's literally it. Yeah. I think that's probably been the most freeing part for me about leaving the church has been recognizing that there's nothing underneath the rug. There's nothing brushed up underneath a rug that I'm hiding from them. Mm-hmm. That when mom's having a hard time, like I am up front. I'm forward with them. I tell them I'm direct. And I say, you know, mommy's having a hard time with this thing. It's going to feel kind of icky today, but I want you to know it's not you. It's Mm -hmm. not something you've done or something you've said. I'm just not in a really good space today. And like now they'll say things like, well, you know, let's meditate or let's do breath work together. Like they're so sweet. My 12 year old has this like gentle hand to like put on my shoulder and he's just so caring. And I know that comes from me showing up messy and giving them the parts of me that, uh, I was hiding when I was Mormon and like, oh man, I just am so happy for them that they know they don't have to be perfect anymore. Yeah. Well, that gives them permission too to have days where they can say, I'm not in a good space today and it's not you. And I'm not mad at you. I'm just like, I'm processing something and I'm, I'm not, I'm not really in that space of like, connection today. I'm kind of inside of myself. Yeah. Yeah. And just like knowing that the human experience is colorful and it's messy and, you know, Glennon Doyle always says like, if it's hard, you're doing it right. You know, it's like, that's, that's the way things are. It's, it's not supposed to be joyful and blissful all the time. Or like, what would that even, that wouldn't even be great. We need to be able to feel, we need to feel sad Yeah, and, and process those feelings. But Um, something else that comes up a lot when I'm doing my Reiki sessions is people compare themselves to women online. So Mm -hmm. there's, I mean, have you noticed this with your business and like being online and your community and everything? Do you feel that comparison happening? Definitely. Yeah. Especially like, especially in the social media space, I feel like there's a lot of comparison. I do it. Like I can engage in it sometimes like, oh, I'm not quite like that. Or, and I catch a lot of shoulds whenever I'm journaling Mm -hmm. every day, this kind of like, oh, there's a message, like an underlying message of who I should be or what I should be like, or like what the ideal person would be. And like, can we reel that back? Yeah. I mean, I think it's natural. Um, I think there's a, there's a shadow side to it. Yeah. So comparison in the way that like, um, you know, you see someone in a super cute outfit and you're like, dang, she looks freaking good. And yes, that, that you know, too. and then, yes. and then I'll like get online or like go to the store or whatever. And, and I'll, I'll consider it and be like, is that me? Is that my authentic self? And sometimes I'm like, hell yeah, I can totally rock that. You yeah. know, like I, I loved, she looked so good in that. I would love to wear that. That'd be so cute. Or there's a side of comparison that when you see them, you feel lack. Yeah. Right. And so where that lack comes in, that scarcity mindset, that's when we tap into the the shadow side and knowing that we all have a shadow side is, is really empowering. Knowing that you have parts of you that feel that competitive nature, that's where you can come as your space of, um, I don't want to say worship because that's also kind of triggering, but you can kind of like meditate on it. Yeah. You know, and it's something that I have been working on actively in my life is recognizing those limiting beliefs and writing them down. Mm-hmm. I tell everyone I work with that we're going to three, three main things are going to come up for you. That feels like very consistent. Everyone has about three main stories on their hamster wheel and the one that's, it's hard to get off. It's hard to see the other side of it because our mind is so powerful and our thoughts take over and they make us believe that that's who we are. When in fact, you are not your thoughts. You're the voice beneath your thoughts. Mm. You're the you before the thought even comes up. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, if you can identify those three main stories 
that come up for you the most at the core of those stories is the parts of you that you feel most insecure about. Mm. And what is so empowering and being able to, to then match yourself with the vibration with your divine feminine is to flip those on their head, reframe them and come up with three empowering beliefs. How powerful is that to say, I am worthy of love. Mm -hmm. I am a really good mom, you know, and, and whatever that looks like for you, post it on your bedroom door. I mean, if I took you on a tour of my bedroom right now, you would see empowering beliefs for Lena printed out empowering beliefs for Sally printed out. And then we have a relationship empowering belief statement as well, because in relationships, we all have things that we attach ourselves to stories. We tell ourselves about why something isn't working or why something doesn't feel right or what's wrong with them, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's like, we just need to, to realize that we are two imperfect humans. We are human. We're two humans coming together to create this magic. And the only way we can really do that is to see each other's humanity and to love each other in the mess, mm-hmm. you know, and especially as like a round two, like marriage number two, for me, it's like, I'm not fucking around, you know, yeah. I'm not here to mess around and say, oh yeah, that's fine. Let's just brush that under the rug and move on. It's like, no, we want to grow. We want to evolve as humans. We are not going to be stuck in our patterns. There is no way, shape or form, especially as two women, (laughs) you can imagine, right. With like all the raging hormones every month yeah, and you know, like all the different dynamics that come along with having two moms in the same space. Uh, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot there. It can be it can be complicated at times. And so oh, sure. remi- reminding myself with these empowering belief statements and also connecting, like we have specific things that we like do rituals. Sometimes we're better at doing them than other times. And we usually pick back up on them when we realize we haven't been doing them because there's, there's, there are things that don't go as well. You know, yeah. there's time passes and you're like, wait, have I seen you today? Yeah. <laughs> You know, like we've been inhabiting the same space, but have we actually like spent time together? Have we connected today? Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. I think it's just important to remember when you are striving to find that balance in yourself between your masculine and feminine, that you really just go inward and you decide like, who is for me? Who is not for me? What boundaries do I need to set? What relationships do I need to set aside and say goodbye to? What what patterns, what behaviors are coming up for me. And this is a lifelong journey. Yeah. There is no final destination of arrival where you're like, okay, I'm fully healed. I'm all harmonized. We are good. Good to go. No, it's a lifelong journey. And that's something I think that we could get down on ourselves about as we're like on this journey of development and, and really discovering more of who we are and especially as you're deconditioning from religion, it's like, let's take one thing down at a time and let's decide what feels good and what doesn't and readjust as you go. I mean, there's constant shifts happening still, you know? Well, and I find that as we grow and progress, like as we continue to live and get, gain more life experience, like sometimes the things that we decided on earlier in life, it's time for those to change. And it doesn't mean that the decision we made earlier in life, whether it was two years ago or five years ago or 20 years ago was wrong. It may have been the right decision at the time. And now it's just time, time to like adjust and change because it's not working now in life. Yeah, man. I, since leaving the church, I've really redefined the words like wrong or good or bad or right. Um, it, I don't believe in any of that. Yeah. You know, I, I think I think anytime we tell ourselves we're bad or we did something bad or wrong, what we're really telling ourselves is that we're not worthy. Mm. The, the, the difference between good and bad to me is awareness. You know, it's like when you know better, you do better. When you have more tools, when you have more resources, you know how to speak to people, how to treat people, how to talk to yourself, how to love your kids. And And the part, the most freeing part about leaving the church has been letting go of the attachment of perfection and knowing, just knowing that things can be 
messy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that it's actually such a beautiful creative space. It's funny because I vacillate back and forth. Everyone on this podcast knows I'm a recovering perfectionist. So I have like moments of doing really brilliant with being messy and being okay with it. And then moments where I feel uncertain or just insecure for some reason. And it's like, that's like the thing I glom onto like, okay, I'm just going to do it perfect and it'll all be okay. And then I catch myself and I'm like, I get back into the space. And so for me, it's that flow between like allowing myself to be human and going back to this, like, this is my safe little box where if I can just pretend like I'm perfect, it'll all be okay. Yeah. Okay. So do you mind if I do Do a little bit? Okay. So (laughs) Terry, I love it. I wish I was there in person. Um, but let's just, let's just go with it. It feels so something that comes with my gift. That's really unique and different is I can see the age of your inner child and knowing the age of your inner child can be super empowering because when you run up against, um, any flooding or wounds or trauma or triggers, you're going to respond from that age. Mm-hmm. So just to give you an idea, I'm seven, Sally's 14. Okay. okay. So when I am in need of comfort and validation from her as my partner and for her to show up for me, it looks like her holding me in her arms and caressing my hair, moving it out of my face, rubbing my face, telling me I'm safe and that she loves me Mm -hmm. for her as a 14 year old. Imagine 14, you want to run out of the house. You want to climb a tree. You want to jump off a cliff into water. You know, you just, you want to like be adventure junkie and seek that adrenaline. So it's a matter of giving her that alone time and allowing her to go on that walk or that run in the middle of whatever we were doing Mm -hmm. so that she can regulate, you know, and each and every one of us has different ways that we find that regulation of our nervous system and we can like come back to ourselves, but knowing your inner child age is just that it's this empowerment. It's being able to let go of the attachment to the coping skill. Because at seven, what was I doing? I was having tantrums. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I was like, not, not good (laughs) with my, with my behaviors. I remember being seven. I remember not liking how my body responded. I would feel the flood of anger. And then I would just like feel this anger in my body need to get it out. And so I would like, I was an only child for a while. And so I'd sit in my room and I would scream or I'd scream into my pillow or punch my bed or, you know, it was like a, a physical representation of what I was feeling in my body. And that's how I, I moved energy through my body. So now for you, your inner child is nine, nine. So at nine, there were moments in your life leading up to that age where you felt your soul was having a human experience. You knew that you were going to have uh, you were going to have to be like, have your own back. Hmm. And there was a lot leading up to, um, leading up to the age of nine that was showing you that you were eventually going to have to be out on your own. You were emotionally holding space in the home for different types of energy. And you were the peacemaker. You were the one that brought, brought the neutralizing energy into the home. And that's something you carry with you now. And so as you are moving through your life and your relationships and your work and everything, it's, it can, you can easily get, um, what's the word you can easily get like thrown off the rail when things get a little bit stressful. And the reason for that is because it became a pattern for you back then that you took on the stress in your body and then you figured out a way to regulate it and, and neutralize it and then bring that out into the space around you. So for you now, as you experience triggers or flooding or stress or overwhelm, as Brene says, like you feel like you're in the weeds or you're blown, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you take it out, you take it out on yourself. 
Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that energy of taking it out on yourself is with time deteriorating, not only your health on the inside, but also like you're, you're beginning to build resentment in areas of your life where, you know, there is no resentment to be had. It's like, there needs to be a physical representation of some sort of cleansing or purging for you every single day. Like whether that's writing it out and burning it or physically jumping into a body of water, like a pool or a lake, or um, even just washing your hands, like giving yourself that intention as you wash your hands. I'm washing my hands clean of any resentment that I will build up today in my environment because no one in my family deserves that. It's not theirs. This is mine. This is this comes from my experience as a child and having to hold the the stress and the overwhelm and the pain of family members and learning how to cope with that by neutralizing that energy. Because now you know that that's not serving you as an adult. Mm-hmm. You're far beyond the space and time where that that coping skill is giving you what it needed to. It served you for a while. It gave you the childhood you needed. Like you, you had a, a fairly decent upbringing. There wasn't like, you know, this huge traumatic experience that would make you like not be able to show up for your kids. You know, yeah. you, you had... Uh, you had many fulfilling life experiences as a child, but underneath all of that, I would say like lower T trauma, there wasn't a consistent person in your life showing up for you emotionally and without that emotional support and like seeing you and validating you, it was when you were nine that you finally realized, okay, like the, the straw that breaks the camel's back, you know, it's like, I am a soul having a human experience. I am here. This is me having to show up for myself. And so when you now have those spaces and time where you feel flooded and you feel stress, overwhelm, go back to, to Terry at nine and give her, reparent her, give her the, the love and emotional affection that she needed, that she wasn't getting then. And my biggest advice to people when I go through these sessions with them is to Take the time to actually write out specific things you remember from that time in your life. Like write it down, whether it was a good memory or a bad memory, meaning like whether it was a positive thing or something that affected you negatively, just get it out in a journal or something and then allow your body to detach the emotion from it so that it no longer has power over you. And that might be something you have to do daily for a while. You might have to, you know, every day for a month, look at those same stories and say to yourself with intention, this doesn't define who I am. You know, I am not this person. This thing happened to me, Mm -hmm. right? But it's not who I am. A lot of people say like, what happened for you? And I I believe that in a lot of cases. but side tangent, like I had a friend who recently lost a child and it was the second child she lost. And when people say things like, oh, things in life happen for you. I don't believe that when it comes to the loss of a child or, you know, a loss of anyone, really any death, like any of that to me, it's such bullshit. And I cannot stand the message behind people saying like things happen for a reason that just doesn't, I don't fly with that. But when it comes to experiences you're having or people not showing up for you at certain times of your life. Like we all have a soul contract with one another. We're all committed to one another to help each other evolve. And I believe that we are souls traveling groups and we have lifetimes together. And that's just something that I've experienced on a spiritual level. Like my soul feels that. Mm -hmm. And so being committed to the people in your life and the people you love, it's not just it's not just like happenstance, you know, you're here experiencing these people because they're reflecting back to your goodness or they're reflecting back to you, the shadow side that needs to evolve past that generational pattern that's teaching you or showing you that you need to live a certain way, you know? Mm-hmm. I like how you frame that, that the people in your life reflect back to you, both like both the positive, both the things that like your strengths and the things that you're doing well and 
where your joy is and they also can reflect back to you like where you need to heal and where there's work to do and Mm -hmm. because that's been very true in my life for sure yeah yeah I love that I think that goes back to the concept of comparison and people online like needing to unfollow it's like we showing up in our truth reflect shadows and reflect back the parts. If you're showing up on my page in a space and time when you are not on the path, <laughs> you're going to quickly exit left because, yeah. you know, when you see someone living their truth, it's a reflection of the things you're not doing. Uh, if it, if it doesn't feel good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That makes so much sense. And it's okay. I on, literally honor people who are in the, the waiting pattern. Is that what it's called on the tarmac? Yeah. Is it called yeah. the holding We're pattern or something? Holding pattern or yeah. waiting pattern. One of the yeah. two. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I honor that. I get it. I've been there. We've all, we're all still there. There's lots of growth on all sides happening. Um, so I don't want you to feel judgment for me. It's just when you see that, when you experience that, go inward and reflect on what, why is this coming up for me or what is this making me feel and, and explore those spaces without judgment. Yeah. Yeah. Getting curious with it, just allowing it to, allowing it to express itself and tell you what it needs to tell you. Did you feel like when you were a child and again, nine keeps coming up for me, but that your accomplishments and things that you did is what gave you the validation you needed? Yeah. So people pleasing, perfectionism and overachieving were the overachieving. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, That's what I think that's what I'm feeling is just this feeling of like you working hard to be seen by the people you love by doing things, Mm -hmm. you know, accomplishing all the things. Yeah. I participated in all the sports and all the dance and all the cheerleading and like in high school, I was actually just sitting down with my son who it's doing marching band. And he was like, this is so busy. And I said, it is. And he said, in high school, you did marching band, right? And I said, I did. And he goes, and was it this busy? And I said, it was marching band was this busy, but I didn't just do marching band. I was part of competitive choir. I was on the cheer squad. I did debate. I was part of the National Honor Society. I did like the student government. I was part of a car mechanics team that like rebuilt a new car. I was like, I was on the club soccer team. And then I did church and I did dance. And he was like, how, when did you sleep? How, how did you? And I was like, I, once a month I would crash and then I would sleep for 24 hours straight, like through the night, all through the next day and wake up and go to seminary and do it again and do it for another month. And he was like, that's not healthy. I was like, no, it's not healthy, but I did all the things and tried to excel at all the things. And it was both a numbing mechanism. So I couldn't feel, but it Mm -hmm. was also a way to get validation. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. The vibration that I was feeling from you is that you have worked your entire life to get back to yourself, that Mm -hmm. doing things, it was something inside of you that said, if I do these many things, I can feel my center. I can feel, I feel good. I feel, Mm -hmm. um, like, like I matter and there's worth. Yeah. But there's so, so much underneath all of that, that you're getting to now in your life, especially since you've left the church that you see this, like, I hope that you see, cause I see this like most stunningly brave, courageous, gorgeous, like gift that you have to be able to share your voice and show up for people. And the capacity to do it seems so endless because it's so much less than what you were doing before. You know what I mean? It's like you, of course, like you are, I mean, you're, do you get it? Do you get what you're doing? You're changing lives, showing up in this podcast and creating this community for people and people who just need a voice or want to feel seen and you're the voice for them and you make them feel seen. And 
It's just so, so, so good. There's so much goodness here, so much goodness here. And I'm so proud of you for doing this, this work that you're doing. I think it's amazing. And is it not so much more rewarding than giving your life to all those things and getting all the accolades? It is actually, it's so wonderful. And I I will tell you though, there is that nine-year-old part of me that pops up occasionally and is like, and I'll take on this project and mm-hmm. this project and this project. Mm-hmm. And then, well, that's I- your shadow side. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta remember, you gotta see her and recognize that that is not something that's ever going to go away. It's just something you have to integrate and know about yourself. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought it up. Cause I'm actually, I was just telling you before we started recording that there's like a piece of me that keeps coming up and saying, Hey, like, listen to me, I have something to tell you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when October's done, like in November, mm-hmm. we'll listen to you. We'll, we'll attend to your needs. It'll be fine. Um, that's the message I think she wants to say, cause I did take on a lot of projects mm. over the last like five to seven months mm. and it all wraps up Yeah, this week. Yeah. So you've got one week left of hustle. Yeah. So one week left of hustle. And then like that deep knowing is just like, do the things you love and don't take on anything else. Just mm. do the things you're passionate about. Oh my God. I love that. Yes. I just three snaps to that. That is just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, it's really beautiful to be able to live with that knowing and to know it and to, to do it and to take action. And I, I don't know, man, there's just something so beautiful about living in a space and time where I'm in charge, Yes, you know? It's just so incredible and beautiful and colorful and amazing and fulfilling. I mean, not easy. No, No. it's never, ever easy. But the hard that comes up now is so different than the hard that it was before when I was denying myself, when I was betraying myself. The hard now is feeling the wounds, recognizing myself within that space and detaching myself from any labels obligations, expectations that other people place upon me. Yeah. You know, it's so it's work. It's not like, oh, yay, look, here's me. I can see myself (laughs) doing this thing on repeat, this behavior that keeps coming up. It's like, oh, yay, Lena. Good. No, it's, it's hard, emotional work. And lots of tears have been shed constantly throughout the last four years, you know, and, and, but the most beautiful hard Yeah. I would choose this hard over and over. Yes. Yeah. It's a really rewarding hard. Yeah. So it's a lot of work and yet, I don't know, the rewards, the, like the freedom, the like expansion, like I always Mm -hmm. feel like you get to take up just like a little bit more room and feel good about it. Oh my God. Yes. I love that. I do give advice for people who are new to this space. Um, or newer, if you are trying to tap into that divine feminine energy, which gives you the balance of your masculine and feminine, I always recommend movement. Movement is a big part of that because energy is everything. And so as you have these energy centers in your body and you're lining them up and you're freeing your body from these like energetic calcium deposits, moving your body, whether it's dance or running or whatever it is, however you choose to move, that is a physical representation of purging of energy and releasing it and letting it back, giving it back to the universe and letting it go, you know? Yeah. Um, And then, and that comes naturally to a lot of people. I think it's just innate within our cellular DNA makeup, we want to move. But if you notice that you're feeling trapped energetically and simultaneously you feel stagnant, like you're, you're sedentary, then that's a sign and, you know, signal to the body to get outside and move. Um, and then another thing is, uh, being creative. Mm. So when you use your creative energy and you tap into your sacral, Your sacral chakra is where all of our creation comes from. It's where our passions come to life. It's where obviously like we have babies and we create in that way, actually create life, but within the space and the spectrum of creativity, it could be something as simple as, you know, drawing or painting 
or going outside and making something in your, in your home, like building something or whatever. It doesn't have to be one specific thing. It's just, and Hey, while you're doing that place, play my divine feminine play to, playlist and move your body at the same time. You know, it's like there, you can, you can really move energy through your body, like in this, in this special, unique way that feels good to you. But as long as you're like doing it and consistently doing it, like you would drink water or go to the bathroom, like it's a regular thing in your life. You're going to feel that lightness and that air that you're talking about, Terry, where you feel like, oh, I can take up more room. I can breathe. My lungs are expanding deeper and there's more blood flow and oxygen in my body. I feel lighter and freer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Being able to like move things through your body. Movement has been a huge part of my journey as well. I started with Zumba classes, like, mm, which kind of yes. helped me like reclaim my sensuality. I'd become almost kind of stiff and robotic, like in Mormonism. Yeah. And so it allowed me to like move in ways that I had been kind of taught were like naughty and not okay. And then, um, gardening does that hiking does that, uh, swimming does that, like all of those, just moving your body, I feel like you get in tune. Like it, it just allows you to like really get in tune with what's going on inside of you, and and yeah, it feels good afterwards too. That rush of endorphins is always feel nice. Good. I've been doing a lot of writing lately. Um, I've been like actively writing. I did, you know, Ashmay Hoyland. She's amazing. I she, don't. Oh, okay. So I'll introduce. I'll connect you to on Instagram. She's amazing. So she's, she's Exmo and, uh, in Utah and just has a beautiful platform and shares in such an artistic way, but her, she did a writing course. She has a writing course, but I did it a couple of years ago and began writing my book. And then, um, I've, I've just been writing. Writing has been the thing that has been the most healing to Mm me aside from movement. Um, just being in that space and reflecting and not necessarily caring about the quality of what I'm doing, but just getting it out. It feels so good. It feels good to go back with intention into certain spaces and places in time and like mm. pluck it from my body and put it on paper. It's like, it mm. no longer belongs to me. It's not mine. It doesn't serve me. Mm. You know, it's not going to hold me back from, from living free just because it exists inside of me. It's on paper now and it's, yeah. it's not mine, you know? Yeah. It does. It makes it like its own entity. Yes. So I find that whenever I'm writing about thoughts or about feelings, um, I, I do a practice I call vomit journaling, which is gross. I really need to find another like name. Brain dump. Brain dump. Yeah. Brain dump. But I just allow myself to put my pen to paper and I write without worrying about yeah. grammar or if it makes sense or any of that. And I just like write until it feels like it's all out. Yeah. But you're right. Once it's all out, like it's not in me anymore. It's out there. Like it's a thing that I can look at and I can observe. And sometimes I'll come back and read it later to see like what limiting beliefs are popping up or yeah. like, what is it trying to say? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause the mind is what plays tricks on you. It's not your, it's not who you are. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's like taking apart and just like sticking it there. So it gets to be like its own little personality, its own little person. And I kind of like, will look at it as if I'm coaching someone like, okay, what is this saying? What does it want? What, it, you know, what is the wound? What, it, like, what does it need to feel better? And yeah. it allows it to, and, but it's not me. It's not like, it's not my identity anymore. It's just this Mm-mm. piece that was inside of me. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. Oh, <sighs> as we wrap up today, like, I feel like there's been so much good stuff today talking about like listening to your inner knowing, listening, like recognizing when your inner child is coming out and like getting curious about what age that inner child is and what did that, you know, what did that child need? Because I think a lot of these wounds, a lot of the things that keep us in the box really do come from earlier in our life, from different times in our life when it wasn't okay to be, or we got the message, whether, you know, whether consciously or subconsciously, that it wasn't okay to be a, a fully expressed version of ourselves, that it's it's okay to go back to that and say, what do you need? Like, what do you need to feel safe? How can I hold you? How can I help you uh, feel loved and accepted? Mm-hmm. And I think the more we do that work with ourselves, the more we arrive at that place you were talking about where 
we're able to recognize that other people who don't love us or don't see us the way, um, in a way that's like accurate or a way that really reflects who we are, that we're allowed, like it allows us to let a lot of that slide off of us because Mm -hmm. we're rooted and anchored into knowing and loving ourselves. Is there anything else you would like to tell people who are listening as they're striving to really anchor into that, that feeling of like self-acceptance? Is there anything else you'd like to say as we wrap up this session? I would say the biggest piece of advice I would give to anyone going through this, whether you're like newly out of the church or you're just trying to become a better human is find yourself back home every single day. Come back home to the breath. Give yourself time to fill the lungs, to completely like exhale and just give your body time to be in itself. Find the stillness. Be here now, present in the moment, whether it's three minutes, 10 minutes, three hours, whatever you have time for. This is something that I do for myself every day is coming home to myself. Mm. It's, it's the only way to live with intention and to enjoy more minutes of your day. Mm. That's powerful. It sounds so simple and it's so powerful. It is so powerful. Yeah, it really is. Thank you so much. This has been, it, it really was just the, the ability to bask in your energy today. Just, it felt Aww. like a, I don't know, like a spirit bath a little bit, like just, oh, I like love that. <laughs> Thank you. I no. love your energy as well, Terry. You have so, so many, I, I, this, I mean, I'm not just saying this because you have me on your podcast, but your positivity and the energy you put out into the world is a gift to everyone that listens. Thank you. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Where can people find you so that they can follow you and get to feel this energy all the time if they want to? Oh, you're so sweet. So I'm becoming Lena on Instagram and Sal's coming out coach. You can always find me there too. We're always making out. (laughs) You guys, when you find your sexuality at 37, you go hard. Um, and then, yeah, we have, we have a website, sallyandlena.com. And then of course, look for season two of Mormon No More. Yeah. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank um, you, Terry. You're the best. Go follow her right now. And I will see you all next Sunday.